right, this is Gary Parrish from CBSSports.com. It's now Wednesday, April 29th, and this is the Ion College Basketball Podcast. It's been a while since we chatted, and uh, there will be no normal schedule to this podcast in this part of the offseason. I don't think, because not a lot of stuff happens in college basketball in this part of the offseason, um, specifically after the coaching carousel slows down and the deadline for early entry to the NBA draft has passed. But there is some stuff actually happening right now, so here I am, and I'm joined by Matt Norlander and Sam Bassini, and we got a lot of stuff we're going to talk about, but I think we should start with what qualifies as the big news of the day. Uh, certainly in college basketball, probably in the NBA, even though the playoffs are going on. And that's at Oklahoma City uh, has uh, uh, centered its coaching search on Florida coach Billy Donovan. Uh, uh, Ken Berger from CBSSports.com reported uh, last week, really within hours of Scott Brooks being fired, uh, that all signs pointed toward Oklahoma City uh, making an offer to Billy Donovan. Uh, Mark Stein at ESPN reported early Wednesday morning that there have been formal conversations between the two sides. Adrian Wojnarowski and Pat Forty at Yahoo reported subsequent to that um, that Sam Presti, the general manager in Oklahoma City, was preparing an offer. And I have reported that multiple sources have told me that um, the most likely scenario at this point is that Billy Donovan will be the next coach of Oklahoma City. And, and the reasons are... Um, many, but I, I think simply put, it comes down to the timing is perfect. There was a time where I'm told Billy's wife uh, wasn't enthusiastic about him maybe moving to the NBA, but that time has passed. And she, um, I, I don't want to say that she prefers it because I honestly don't know that, but I know she's okay with it now that she would sign off on it. Uh, last year, Cleveland uh, pursued Billy. And he had conversations, uh, I don't want to say directly with Cleveland, although I believe that to be true, but certainly had conversations with people he trusts about maybe being the next head coach of the Cavaliers. And a combat, you got to remember, this was before LeBron James made his announcement that he was returning to Cleveland. So uh, there was an uncertain roster. Um, I don't know that he was ever comfortable with the Cleveland front office. And he had a preseason top 10 team set to return. Fast forward to now, and um, the circumstances are, are vastly different. Um, he's coming off a bad year at Florida, probably set up to have another bad year at Florida relative to his own um, expectations at Florida. And in Oklahoma City, he's got an opportunity at least for a year to coach you know, two of the top 10 players in the world. He's comfortable with Sam Presti. He has relationships with that front office. Long story, not so long, um, and I tweeted this earlier this morning, even before I wrote a story. Um, at this point, I'd be surprised if Billy Donovan is not the head coach um, of the Oklahoma City Thunder uh, relatively soon. Matt Norlander, I'll ask you, uh, is there any reason other than I just love Gainesville and don't want to leave for Billy Donovan not to actually leave? Yeah, I think there we go. There's the question that I don't know if it's been addressed too often. Um because what is there, what is there for Billy to stay for? Um, I, only maybe one or two real big reasons, and it's one you just you want to settle down and, and finish out your career there, and just be in, you know he already is an all time Florida coach that's that's been established, but just like you know decades upon decades, uh, do you want to do that? And if you don't, uh, <laughs> that's perfectly fine. The only other thing is, you know, I, I think there is a small line of delineation between winning two and winning. Like if you win three titles, there's only like seven or eight guys who have ever done that. There's only a few that have done 
two. But when you get to three, uh, I think you've entered into a new level. Uh, what are the ambitions there? But here's the thing. Billy's young enough where I think he's got the perspective of like, all right, you know what? You get so many opportunities to have a freaking NBA job. There are only 30 of them. How often do you get that opportunity? Uh, how often do you get a second chance after you get cold feet? And you go to a spot where it's a little precarious. I understand that. But you do have the chance next season to coach um, two of the top six players in the game. Uh, and he knows that if, you know, if for some reason this doesn't work out, even if it's a crash and burn, like a crash and burn, two, you know, Two years there, next year it doesn't go well. They, you know, they get another, uh, n- you know, ninth finish and just miss the playoffs. Lose Durant the year after. They win twenty five games. It just doesn't work. That's the worst case scenario. Even then, he would be the most desired candidate in college basketball <laughs> to return if it had to go that way. No question. He would have, you yep. know, he would have plenty of time to reestablish if he even needed to, you know reestablish anything and chase a third or fourth title, which I think he would be totally capable of doing. So ultimately, when you look at this from Billy's perspective, there is no downside. You will not have anyone angry at you in any sort of way for taking this kind of opportunity. Uh, It is a really good opportunity. I spoke with uh, CBSSports.com NBA writer Matt Moore last week, and I said, listen, give me an idea here. I was like, I can give you a general ranking of the top 25 to 30 jobs in college basketball if you ask me. But when it comes to NBA, I'm a little skewed. Right now, if I tell you, list every single NBA job in the current scenarios with all of them. So right now, you're rating the Oklahoma City job with some uncertainty with Durant beyond you know 2015, 2016, and Westbrook the year after. He said, even with that, he puts it clearly clearly a top 10 but not a top five job that's a tremendous opportunity for donovan so there's no reason for him not to go obviously it'll be a pump and bump and pay grade and this is a this can be a life changing kind of job i mean he's already considered a really good coach this potentially has the possibility of elevating billy if he was really successful and i'm getting a little ahead but just talking big picture here because undoubtedly he and his family think about these kind of things if he finds success then you know ultimately billy becomes you know, really one of the better coaches of the past 30 years or so at, uh, at any level. So there's no downside. That's why this seems inevitable and kind of why we're touching on this now, because if it happens, you know, in three days, we don't need to fire up another podcast because we see what, you know, Billy can do. Uh, I'm, I'm all for it for him. A uh, little bummed that he'll leave and, you know, we'll lose a really good coach at college level, but that's, that's the breaks. And one more thing here, I know I'm kind of rambling, but I didn't want to forget to mention this. Um, and if you guys want to respond, feel free. If you don't, we can move on. But to me, there's an interesting thing I've, I've heard get discussed, and it's this Brad Stevens effect. And, and I just want to say, just because – like Brad Stevens is an anomaly from a coaching standpoint. There are, there's almost no one that is that good, composed, has a, has a, a, a level of respect, uh, a resume where you take a program like Butler to two straight title games. It's not like because Brad Stevens took – this scrambled Celtics roster to the playoffs, it doesn't mean that suddenly the the reputation surrounding college coaches and what they can or can't do should necessarily change. I, I've seen some NBA guys kind of toss that out, being like, five years ago, this wouldn't have be, even been considered. And to me, it's kind of ridiculous that we're making these kind of correlations. Just because Brad Stevens is really good, suddenly it means Billy Donovan should be considered for the Thunder job. Like, to me, the, those things have no correlation whatsoever. No, what, what it means is that uh, Brad Stevens is great, 
And um, I, I've always thought it was much simpler than trying, you know, college coaches fail and these guys succeed. You know what? You know who fails in the NBA? Guys with bad rosters. You know who succeeds in the NBA? Guys with good rosters. Like if you switch Steve Kerr and Derek Fisher right now, uh, Derek, I don't know that Derek would have had the year uh, Kerr had or that Kerr would have had the year that Fisher had. Uh, but Derek Fisher would have won a whole bunch of games and Steve Kerr would have lost a whole bunch of games. As it is, uh, here are their careers. And so, um, yeah, I, I've never really bought in. I, if Billy's good, it'll be because Billy's good and, and the Oklahoma, Ro- Oklahoma City roster is great. Yeah. If he's not, it'll be because Kevin Durant and Russell Westbrook get hurt and then leave. Um, I, I think it really is as, as simple as that. Real quick, and then I want to get to you, Sam. A whole bunch of thoughts on what you said. First off, I don't see how you could get Oklahoma City out of the top five of NBA jobs in its current setup. I mean, mm, mm. okay, well, okay, let's uh, say, what, well, what's better? Sam, I'll ask you. Golden okay. State, you got Kerr and... Golden State. Uh, both, I, mean, you, I think both Los Angeles jobs are better just because of the market. I think that the next is a better, what is better Who cares about the market when you get your brains beat in? Yeah, but you're getting your brains beat in for having a realistic strong free agency destination. Like, there's a reason the Lakers are still being considered for Kevin Love, like for all these elite free agents. It's so easy to rebuild there, comparatively. Like, if Oklahoma City loses Kevin Durant, that job is in the tank. You would take, right now, if if the Lakers job was open at this minute, Lakers jobs open, Oklahoma City jobs open, you would take Lakers job over OKC? No way I would. I would. Steve Kerr wouldn't. (laughs) <laughs> he had an opportunity that's, to go. That's what makes it. That's why I asked Matt. That's why I asked it's Matt tough. questions. It makes it it's interesting. It's really tough. Dude, uh, I think with Steve Kerr. Given the uncertainty of one year of Durant, I would take the Lakers because I trust the Lakers will be able to continue to turn it around quicker than Oklahoma City would be if Durant leaves. History certainly suggests that, but who would you trust more? Sam Presti or whoever the hell's running the Lakers these days? Mm. I mean, Presti, but like, it's not like Presti's had a sterling record over the last three years either. I, I, here's what I, if, if I'm Billy, I look at it and I go, listen, as long as I got Durant and Westbrook healthy, and who knows, they haven't been healthy, but if I got yeah. them healthy, I'm winning 60 games. And if yeah. I win, if I win 60 right. games and the Spurs are a year older and it like, who knows what other rosters look like. But if I win 60 games, I'm going to have a good seed in the Western Conference. And if we can maybe bounce that thing into the finals, who knows, maybe win the whole thing. Um, then, then, then I'm going to con- be able to convince them to stick with me. Ultimately, Kevin cares most about winning and Russ cares most about winning. If I can prove to them they can win with me in this one year, I can get them to commit to me and Oklahoma City going forward. And then I've got the best, one of the best jobs in the NBA for five, six years. Um, yeah, that's that, true. That, that, would be, true. that would be my mindset here. And Matt, to your larger point about um, what's the downside? Okay, let's say it is a disaster. Like next year, Russ breaks something again. Kevin isn't completely healthy, but for whatever reason, you're a sixth seed losing the first round of the playoffs. Kevin wants to go back to D.C. or um, the whole you know Rock Nation stuff gets him to Brooklyn somehow. But either way, one way or another, he he leaves Oklahoma City. So now the job isn't anywhere close to the one you took. You took a job where you were coaching Kevin Durant, and now you got a job where you're not coaching Kevin Durant. So then it goes a little bit more um, the wrong direction, and then you get fired in three years, four years, whatever. You're 52, 53 years old, and you come back and take the best job available, which in college, if you want, which is going to be a better job than the job he has right now at Florida. Because I think that's another aspect of this 
that gets overlooked. Just because Billy's been awesome at Florida basically for two decades doesn't mean Florida is an elite level job. Like if you look around the country at, we had an unusual amount of uh, elite level guys still available, high school prospects. And it was the big boys competing for them. Kentucky, Kansas, Carolina, Duke, you know, and then go to whoever else. It's Kentucky, Kansas, Car- Florida's not in those conversations. And I think that has been both surprising for Billy and disappointing for Billy. I think Billy thought, you know, when you've got a school the size of Florida, all the resources available, you've coached countless NBA guys, you've won two national titles, there's absolutely no knock. There's no knock on Billy Donovan. Like, people don't say he can't coach. People don't say he's not a good guy. People don't say he's he's unsuccessful. People don't call him a jerk. There's no knock on Billy Donovan, and there should be no knock on Florida. And yet still, in the year 2015, unless it's an in-state kid or or somewhere where they have a a clear, long-established in, like with that summer program in Missouri where they got Brad Bill out of, um, they can't go compete. They, he cannot go bang heads with John Calipari, Bill Self, Roy Williams, and Mike Krzyzewski. And once you realize that, I think you can still kind of trick yourself into you'll be great because you've taken Scotty Wilbekin and turned him into the MVP of a team that won the SEC. But I think this past year opened his eyes a little bit. Like, it, it, it ain't just as easy as I'm Billy Donovan and I'm going to throw some kids in some Florida uniforms and win. And when you look at the roster he has coming back, um, you know, it, it's probably too subpar years in a row so you bounce and then um, if it goes well it goes well that's that's ideal if it doesn't you come back and you take a job in college better than the Florida job and it doesn't ever create that awkward moment where you have to leave Florida for another college job I, I, I for all of those reasons and many more like this makes a whole lot of sense to me what Sam any of that makes sense to you yeah, no, all of it makes sense to me. Um, I, I think that he probably should leave because you're right. It is, it's a chance for him to become like a top ten coach of all time. If he wins this year, and you know he wins sixty games, gets the number one, number two seed in the West, and they go through and win the title, he'll have two national titles, an NBA title in his first year, and he is well on his way to being what he's at that point. What is he? all-time in coaching. Oh, like, God, if you win two... coach? Yeah, I mean, if you win two college championships and then, like, go... Re- like, say you win one in the NBA as well? I mean, you get on a yeah. very exclusive list of things. Like, a, a list of one, Larry Brown. Yeah, right. And so, like, I don't so, know if that should be a motivating factor, like, trying to create a resume that makes you... you I know, think for... I don't know. I, I was going to say, not, like, I think, like said, I, I think it is, can too. be. I oh, yeah, yeah. Something. Well, look, look, look that... I would I would put it on the list of things. To me, the things that would be more important um, would be just this very unique opportunity in the history of in the NBA. How often has a man been able to take a job where he inherits two of the top five, six, seven players in the world? Yeah, I mean that's a pretty like I don't even know if it's I mean, ever David happened. David Blatt. <laughs> David Blatt. Blatt but keep in mind, he didn't get that opportunity. The 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 right, uh, timelines right. reverse exactly. Yeah. He took a shit job, or a bad job, I'm sorry. <laughs> he took a bad job that became a great job. Um, this would be, hey, the job is here. It's a great job. Like, if every, if, if everybody would have known it was going to be Kyrie, LeBron, right. and and, uh, and Kevin, Kevin, yeah, like, Billy Donovan would have taken that job. John Calipari would have taken that job. Tom Izzo would have taken that job. Bill, Bill Self, Self would have taken that job. I mean, the yeah. list goes on and on. I'm <laughs> kind of thinking off the top of my head, and I, and I, I guess the last time this happened... Uh, 
so who took LA when they had Kobe and Shaq? Did did I can't remember. Was that no? Was that Would, like? But did Phil? Did Phil get there and then they got Shaq, or were Shaq and Kobe there and then Phil got it? Because what I'm getting at is, was it Phil Jackson twice the last time we had this? Because he took the Bulls job. Pippen wasn't a top seven player, but he was certainly a, a top twenty player. Um, so he took the Bulls job with Jordan Pippen, and then he got the he got the Lakers job with Shaq and Kobe. So anyway, the point I'm making is that that's really the only time I think yeah. anything comparable to this has happened before. So it's a tremendous opportunity, regardless of what lies ahead in the future. And it's like it's super. I'll tell you, it's super interesting. Uh, just because I don't know what to expect from Billy at the pro level, I can absolutely see him being a 15 year NBA coach with some success. Uh, but I can also see it flaming out. I, I can see him being, you know, kind of just seven, eight years, kind of making it work and then having a having a, you know, a November, December tour back in college basketball wow. uh, in his later years. So I'm, I'm very interested in how that will all play out for him. I, I think it'll be uh, I think it'll go a number of ways. I would say if yeah. if you coach seven or eight years in the NBA, that ain't flaming out like that's. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not saying flaming out. I'm just saying, like, kind of just t- taking the crew, so to speak. You yeah. know, like maybe not yeah. tremendous amounts of, of success, but uh, but certainly not, you know, no, by no means a flame out either. I can see it going every possible scenario. For I think the only way he wouldn't be incredibly successful by any normal measuring. Listen, nobody thinks Scott Brooks is very good, and he still went to West. Like, if you've got Duran and Westbrook, you're going to be good. Yeah. I don't care who you are. Now, if yeah. you lose one of those guys or both of those guys, now we've, we've got we've to talk because it's not as simple as lose a max guy, go get a max guy to a place like Oklahoma City. In Memphis, they're a little bit worried about this now. Like on one hand, you go, oh, if you lose Marcus Gasol, you've got all that cap space. Yeah, but you can't lure an all-star to Memphis in free agency. And I'm not sure you can lure an all-star to Oklahoma City in free agency, um, particularly if Kevin Durant's not sitting there as the lure. So, um, you know, that, that – you know that that's a scary thing, but to me, it's not too scary to where I, I, I somebody who's been as successful as Billy his entire professional life probably looks at that and goes, or at least I would look at that and go, um, yes, I recognize I might lose Kevin Durant after a year, but I'm going to take this one year and be so good, and we're as a franchise going to be so good that when it's time for him to make a decision, he's going to realize that there's no reason to leave. Like, what are yeah. you after? You after championships? Yeah. You've got a better shot right here with me and Russ than you do of go of going and playing in Washington or Brooklyn or anywhere else. I would be betting uh, I'd be betting on myself that I'll be able to do enough to show him it's not in his best interest to leave. And uh, and then and then and then if it works out great, if it doesn't, you know, adjust. Uh, but for all of the reasons we've talked about, um, simply put, bottom line, I'll be surprised if if Billy. Um, isn't the next coach at Oklahoma City. And it, and it could happen as soon as, you know, by the end of this week. Let's switch gears a little bit. Earlier in the week, uh, big-time recruiting development. Um, Norlander, you wrote about it uh, here at CBSSports.com. Brandon Ingram uh, committed to Duke. And I thought this was interesting, not just because it was Mike Krzyzewski getting another five-star guy and Coach K, um, uh, Coach K, you know, uh, getting another top-ranked recruiting class. You know, for the second straight year, uh, Brandon Ingram essentially acknowledged at the press conference that he would have committed to North Carolina a while ago if not for the academic scandal. And I, I think we've all known, just because we know, um, you know, how coaches negative recruit in this industry, that the 
academic scandal couldn't possibly be a positive for Carolina on the recruiting trail because other coaches were going to use it against them. Hey, you never know what the NCAA is going to do. Hey, what if you go there and you do get banned from the NCAA tournament? But we had never heard a recruit actually say it, particularly an in-state recruit of this level. Sam, what did you make of Brandon Ingram's comments about North Carolina? Yeah, I think it's kind of indicative of how difficult it's going to be for North Carolina to get great guys at this point like Ingram and like top 10 recruit or level recruits. Uh, you know, they've got Duke right next door. That's going to be an issue. You've got NC state, which is proving itself to be pretty strong on the recruiting trail right now. They got the Martin twins last year. Uh, they got Abu last year. I forget who they got this year, but it's going to be really hard for them to get elite guys at this point. And you got to wonder how that's going to affect Roy Williams coming down to the end of his career here. Uh, I don't think he's going to leave or anything. I think he's got it pretty sweet there uh, for the twilight of his career, but it's going to be tough for them to continue succeeding. This, this last set of kids that they have right now, this Marcus Page, Bryce Johnson, Kennedy Meeks uh, group of guys, this could seriously be like the last great Roy Williams, North Carolina team. And that's, it's going to be different uh, for the college basketball landscape for a while. I think he's right on. Yeah. I think I think that's uh I think that is the likely outcome here. Um don't know how much more Roy has in the tank. He you know, he might feel like he has another decade in him, but you know, mm-hmm. we'll see when the NCAA sanctions come down or the you know, the notice of allegations come down and, and what comes from that and punishments that are on the table and how that might change things. That's gonna be a you know, our perspective and discussions will will you know will be altered depending on what the NCAA ultimately decides to do. And there's a lot, you know, it's, it's kind of a precedent, uh, unprecedented kind of decision that we're, we're heading toward. Uh, so generally removing that, uh, broadly speaking, I think Sam is right. I think right now we've got Carolina, rightfully so, as a top five team heading into next season. I think it's got, you know, realistic hopes at competing to, re- to reach a Final Four and within that a national championship. But I don't know how it necessarily recoups from this uh, with so much uncertainty over the next one, two, three, four years going forward. And yes, Ingram's comments uh, were big time to publicly acknowledge this kind of stuff. And yes, Carolina has been getting killed. Uh, For a little bit of perspective, I believe Ingram is the first player from Kingston to ever go to Duke. I don't think that's ever happened. Usually they get Carolina kids. A few kids have gone to NC State, but this is, you know, this is where Reggie Bullock and Stackhouse and some other players have gone, so it's traditionally been a uh, been you know a UNC uh, allegiance right there, and and Ingram bucked the trend. Um, it's it's a big time deal. Uh, Carolina fans have every right to have some some nervousness over this, and um, I mean we'll we'll see. For Duke, listen, it's it is unreal. Gary's written about this. I, th- I, did, I was going to write a column about it, but then I was like, Gary's kind of written this three times in the past like eight months. It's stupid how good K is at 69 years old. Is he 69? Like, or 67, something like that? He's definitely Uh, 68. Unless he's had a birthday in the past month, he's 68. All right, so it is outrageous. Like, you can legitimately make the claim that he has never had more optimism slash momentum, like, ever in his career than right now coming off a national championship, sending... A batch of players, uh, freshmen, to be first-round picks. One could, you know, very reasonably be the number one overall pick. Another one could go top five in Winslow. And for a millisecond, there was some, you know, reticence over how legitimate Duke would be next year because there were questions at point guard. Okay, got Derek Thornton. 
all right, who are we going to have fill out to, you know, kind of replace what Winslow sort of did on the wing? Boom, they have Ingram, number one recruiting class two years in a row. Uh, he's still running USA Basketball. I mean, it's it's kind of crazy. To be honest, um, this is as defining to Mike Krzyzewski's overall ability and legacy as anything he's done prior to this. And uh, it's it's mightily impressive. I did not see this necessarily coming two years ago. No, neither did I. And, um, you know, like I'll take it outside of basketball. Like he's 68 years old. Who peaks in their career at 68? Like he might be like, I don't know whether he's peaking or not. Like, let me rephrase. Yeah, I know. What you're he is operating mm-hmm. at the highest. He is operating at the highest level of the sport. Undeniably. He just won a national championship and just depending on what Jalen Brown does. Like, if he goes to Kansas, does that put Kansas one? If he goes to Kentucky, does it put Kentucky one? But at this moment, at least according to 247 Sports, uh, Duke has the number one recruiting class in the country for the second straight year. And in between those recruiting classes, they've won a national championship. So he's he is at the highest level of the sport. And he's 68 years old. And there's no sign of him slowing down. Like, that is, take it to any profession writing, reporting, uh, anything. I don't care what the profession is. Who is operating at this level at the age of 68? It's, pr- it's pretty rare, right? Just Yeah, it just doesn't yep. happen, man. Doesn't yeah. happen. No, it's, it's unbelievable. Uh, let, Sam, let me ask you this. So um, I think when Tyus, Ja, and Justice all announced they were entering the NBA draft, you, you go, and then they're losing Quinn Cook as well. You go, okay, Duke's going to slip. It's still Duke. It's still Mike Krzyzewski, but... You know, God, you look at the roster, it's not that good. And then, of course, they've added Brandon Ingram. They've added a Derek Thornton. And so now they've got the point guard that they didn't have before. Ingram is a, you know, I don't want to say he's Winslow, but, like, he's... He's, he's a similar style. Right. Player. You know, he's long athlete, like, yeah. you know, whatever. A little bit taller, a little bit longer. Yeah, but a little bit thinner. He's like a, he's like a playmaker. Yeah. Uh, operates out of the mid-range. Like, okay. same, kind of, same kind of thing. Here's yeah. what I want to ask you. Um, I've had some people tweet at me and say, okay, Duke, um, okay, they got some nice pieces coming back, Grayson Allen being among them. They've added a number one recruiting class in the country again. Why not preseason number one? Why not? Is it fair? My response has been, and please correct me if I'm wrong. Yes, both classes are ranked number one, but they're not the same. In other words, like, okay, Kwame Brown was once, and I don't mean Kwame Brown as like some excessive example, um, extreme example, but like just the same way all number one picks in the NBA draft aren't the same. Right. Um, all recruiting classes that are ranked number one aren't the same. Like LeBron's not the same as Bogut, and and uh, last year's class isn't the same as this year's class. In other words, they're both ranked number one. I get it, but a combination of Ingram, Jeter, Kennard, Thornton isn't the same as getting Winslow, Okafor, and Tyus Jones. Is that fair? That's fair. Yeah. Okay. I think that the twenty six. I've been saying this for a while. If anyone follows me on Twitter that listens to this podcast, of course they do. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been saying this twenty sixteen recruiting class. I think is considerably weaker than the or the I guess the twenty fifteen recruiting class is considerably weaker than the twenty fourteen class. I think of it in terms of the NBA draft. But to to put it into perspective, we just had fourteen uh, one and dones out of the twenty fourteen recruiting class. It wouldn't surprise me if we had six out of this 2015 one, uh, it's just not as strong overall. And yeah, you've got the top point guard in the class and Derek Thornton, in my opinion, because uh, I don't really consider Malik Newman a point guard. Sure. You've got the top wing, probably, uh, outside of Jalen Brown and Brandon Ingram. Uh, you've got 
Chase Jeter, who's a little bit of a project, but he'll be able to at least contribute. And Luke Kennard, who's one of my favorite prospects in this class because he's just going to be awesome at Duke. He's, he's a terrific shooter. He's a creator. He's everything. So the question then becomes how much weaker is college basketball, basketball in general going to be just because of that recruiting class generally being down and also all of the recruits going everywhere. Like last year, they kind of concentrated into specific spots. This year, you had Steven Zimmerman go to UNLV. You had Malik Newman go to Michigan State. You might have Jalen Brown go to Michigan, or not Michigan State, Mississippi State. Might have Jalen Brown go to Michigan. Like they're, It seems like they're spreading themselves a little bit more thin. You've only got one kid at Kentucky. So does that mean that Duke's dominance in this recruiting class has vaulted them to the number one spot? And I think it's actually a debate. Um, I don't know if I would put them over North Carolina just because North Carolina is going to be older. Uh, there is a big difference between having 22-year-old kids as opposed to 19-year-old kids. Sure. And that would probably swing it for North Carolina to me, but I do think I would put Duke in the top five at this point. Um, probably behind Maryland, Kansas maybe. Uh, I would still probably put them behind Virginia for the regular season, just because I think Virginia is going to get it done in the regular season like they always do. Um, but outside of that, they might be fourth for me. Let's talk. Let's talk about this for a minute because uh, the three of us sat down in Indianapolis uh, the night before the national championship game and went through the top twenty-five and one based on who we projected to come back, who we projected to leave, and we had Virginia initially ranked number one based on everybody was coming back, including Justin Anderson. Obviously, Justin Anderson is not returning, so I dropped them. And at the point that I dropped Virginia, I elevated Kentucky to number one. But as I wrote about clearly, even if people didn't take the time to read it, or not everybody took the time to read it, it was always based on the idea that they're going to land two more elite level guys. Right. It was and, and whatever the combination, whether it was Malik Newman and Jalen Brown, or Jalen Brown and Steven Zimmerman, or Steven Zimmerman and Brandon Ingram or uh, Diallo and Brown, it did, like whatever the combination. I just, right. you know, in Cal, I trust he'll figure it out and get it done. And when I assume, and keep in mind, I, I wasn't just guessing, like, you know, people inside of, in the, of the Kentucky program thought they would land at least two more elite guys. That's what they thought. And so you take those two elite guys and you put them with Tyler Eulis, Isaiah Briscoe, Marcus Lee, Scalabissier, um, Alex Poitras, and now you've really got a roster that I think look like a top-ranked team in the country. So that was the rationale behind that. As we sit here now, April 29th, it doesn't look like Kentucky's going to add two more elite-level guys. They have missed on Newman. They missed on Zimmerman. They missed on Diallo. They missed on Ingram. And, you know, they don't seem to be considered the leader for Jalen Brown. Uh, they might be the leader for Thon Maker, but there's no... I don't think Maker's going to be an impact player in this okay, okay. college basketball season anyway. Okay, like, you mean on ability or that he just might not be there? Um, combination of both. Sure, I think okay. that he's gonna. I think he's going to struggle at first to adjust to college basketball, okay. regardless of when he enrolls. Okay, so here, and, and Norlander, I want you guys to, like, let's talk this through, because I'm going to update okay. the top 25 and 1, and I want, uh, let's talk it through. I believe that if Kentucky could run out a lineup of Tyler Eulis, Isaiah Briscoe, Jalen Brown, Scalabissier, Marcus Lee, with Poitras and Mulder off the bench, 
Like, I think that's good enough. I think that's I think that can be number one in the country. Maybe not clear cut, but I think you could do it. Without another elite level guy, and I mean without Jalen Brown, I, I don't know that I'm comfortable with it being the number one team in the country. D- agree or disagree with either point I just made? I ag- I agree. I mean, I was reticent to put Kentucky first period when we sat down, um, and I'm still there. Um, I, I just not. I, if they got Jalen Brown, you have the case. Right. But even then, like, I still think I, I would just, put like, North Carolina. Here's my ahead. thing. So, uh, I I just uh, I I want to see how Porthris does next year, uh, and like. Marcus Lee is a solid player, but I mean, if if he's going to be commanding more minutes, uh, uh, you know. Oh well, like you could do it a variety of ways. You could do it with um, you could go Ulis, Briscoe, Brown, um, Poitras at the four, and Scow at the five. I mean, could, yeah, yeah. And, yeah I, I mean, there's and, a million ways to do it. Scow is ridiculously awesome. Um, I I I think I'm more excited to watch him than any player in college basketball next year. Uh, I discovered. But, I, I personally, I'm bigger on Carolina. I was, I've, I've kind of said Carolina should be the one all, all along because they've got everybody back except Tokido. Right. Um, so I, I like Carolina at one with their age uh, and you know who they have. They're relatively deep. I would go Carolina one. A lot of this does depend on Jalen Brown, who you know, in a in a refreshing way, uh, just has a non-transparent recruitment i like that he's got a lot of people guessing and there's still no definitive uh answer from him i would go carolina one man um geez you know kansas now cheek diallo here's the thing okay kansas big 12 champs probably better and carlton bragg yeah they're they gotta be better okay, they, they, they lose be alexander they gotta be better because uh, everybody, they, okay, they, they lose Ubre, which I get, but he was a Whatever, non-factor like, for a lot of the year. Alexander, non-factor. non-factor so, ev- so everybody's older, and they add Diallo. How is that not a better team? And Diallo is going to be a beast there. Yeah. He's why is Kansas? Cool why, why is Kansas not a better team than they were last year they on are. paper? They are, but they also didn't go as far as no. I got you. I hear that. Carolina. I mean, what about Maryland? I love and the more and more I look at Maryland. No, I listen. I like the idea of Maryland's roster, but there's still the question of how good were they actually last year as opposed to That's how fair. lucky were they last year. I hear you. Because they won. What did they win? They won their first 11 games decided by five points or less. Right. Uh, that's not going to happen again. Just I, I, very Okay, I, so I would go because, because – oh, man, that's a tough one. Um, but they're better than last year. They're undeniably – Well, like they okay. add Robert, Robert Carter's good. Yeah, Robert I know. Really I think I think because of Carter and Diamond, and I like oh man, I like them more at point guard. I would go Maryland over Kansas. I, I can't believe we're talking myself into this, but I would. I if I, it was me, I would go Carolina. All right, it, let's. Uh, yeah, jeez, Mar- Carolina, Maryland, Kansas. Then Kentucky, because, with uncertainty, like if they get Jalen Brown. Okay, how about where do you, let's pretend that Kentucky's basically done. Done? Yeah, like they're done. Like they'll add another piece, but they're not going to add another impact. Elite. They're not going to get Jalen Brown. Let's pretend okay. Kentucky doesn't get Jalen Brown. Where do you put Kentucky with Ulysses Lee, Poitras, Scow, Briscoe, Mulder, Matthews? Where does that Kentucky team go? I'm. Uh, I I would go fourth. I would go Carolina, Maryland, Kansas, Kentucky, 
I'm not against Man. that. I would go Duke ahead of Kentucky. I would go Duke 5, Michigan State 6. Yeah, I'm I would not against go, that. I think we're kind of on the same page here. I think I would go Virginia ahead of Kentucky. Oh, uh, and there's still Virginia. See, this is exciting. What do you, do with, we, what do, you do with Iowa State, too? I Iowa know. State's. Dude, I remember probably. last year we struggled to kind of like make sense of like these are going to be the top ten teams. That's not the that's not the issue at all this year, uh, which is kind of ironic given you know the talent we had coming into the sport last year versus as what Sam was just alluding to what we have coming in. But it, it's it's uh, it's something of a logjam. Um, I'm fine with Iowa State being lower than six where we have them now. Personally, I'm fine with that. Um, I don't you know I. Who knows? I mean, jeez, uh, Virginia. No, the other thing uh, is, here's the thing about Virginia, totally guys. So when, the thing with Virginia, and Paris said this when we were when we were making it back in Indianapolis. Like they, so they only lose. We had them in number one, and I think if they brought back Justin Anderson, there's really no argument against them as number one, right? Basically, they were one of the two or three best teams in the country last year, uh, and certainly you could make the argument they were the best team when they had a healthy Justin Anderson. So are we really going to say that losing Justin Anderson validates dropping Virginia from one to seven or eight? I don't I know if that's don't fair. Think so, but I, I think that them losing Anderson and Atkins is a big deal. Because remember, Atkins was the best defensive Atkins player in the ACC yeah. last year. Um, but I but think we're going to be able to replace them. We agreed them. that we would have them first, even with the Atkins loss, if they brought back Anderson. Yes. So we're still yes. saying that Virginia without Anderson drops from first overall to seventh or eighth. I, yeah, I don't agree with that. Okay, so then... Oh, man. Okay, let's say... I, I let's say okay, let's, but here's the other thing. Just because Jalen Brown doesn't go to Kentucky doesn't mean Jalen Brown doesn't go to... What if Jalen Brown goes to Kansas? They're number one. If I he goes so. to Kansas, they're number one. I think so, too. Yeah. I, how about this? I'm willing to go this far. If Kansas or Kentucky gets Jalen Brown, I'll put them number one. Either one. Okay. What do I? What's not the love about Euless, Briscoe, Brown, Poitras, Scow? I think that's fair. I think Jalen Brown is that good and adds that much that if he goes to one of those two, um, I think that's reasonable. Uh, but it's reasonable. <laughs> I think I would be willing to go Kentucky or Kansas number one, which if if either one of them gets Jalen, if not. I'm fine with North Carolina, and I'm fine with Maryland. And Kansas, even without Jalen Brown. At number one? Oh, at number one? Yeah, no, I'm talking one. I would put them – I might put Kansas ahead of Maryland at this point, just because, again, I don't know how much I buy, how good – No, that's fair. That's fair. That's a good point. And then what if, like – okay, so what if Jalen Brown goes to Michigan? We have Michigan That's what I was just about to bring Michigan is like – Michigan's in the mix. The Michigan wouldn't be – Top five, I don't think. But if he if he did go, I I you have to. Cl- we have Michigan 18th right now, and if they were to get Jalen Brown, I think you have to no debate about it. Put them in the top ten. So you go Derek. Oh yeah, you go Derek Walton, Karras, Jalen Brown. What like that's strong. And Ivan that's or not uh, Ivan uh, Zach Irvin would be their three. They'd play Jalen Brown as like a small ball power four, right? Which is just that will be his best spot in college basketball. He would be absurdly good at. At that position, just like Justice Winslow was, and then Ricky so, Doyle. Ricky Doyle is <laughs> fine. I mean, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll say he's fine. I don't think that's a top five team, but I think that's a top ten team with, with Jalen Brown. I would got to be a top ten team. I would probably take them over Michigan State at that point. 
Okay, so let okay, so let's settle this. Uh, if Kentucky or Kansas gets Jalen Brown, I'm going to put them number one. And you guys might not agree, but you'll you, it's reasonable. Yes. Okay. Short of that, which means Jalen goes somewhere other than Kentucky or Kansas, go North Carolina number one. I would do that. Yeah. Yes, I yeah. think so. Too. I think that's reasonable. I think that is absolutely reasonable. Um, and then slide Duke up, I think. Yeah, but okay. Yeah, so with what Duke has now. You think Duke – who is Duke clearly – okay. I think Duke is better than Michigan State. Duke better than Michigan State. Duke better than Maryland? No. I don't think Pro- so. I would take Maryland due to age and experience. Okay. Duke, but, better, than, Duke better than Kansas? Okay, so we've got Duke not ahead of Carolina, not ahead of Maryland, not ahead of Kansas. I would Duke ahead of Kentucky. Duke ahead of Michigan State. I yes. don't see. I don't Absolutely. know. Absolutely. I I, uh, like I would they, put Duke ahead of Michigan State. I would put Duke I, ahead of. Kentucky. I don't think I would. I don't. I'm not positive that I. I'm not positive that I would. I might. I'd have. To, I, I flip flop on that. Do I, if you want to, I wouldn't argue Michigan State too much, um, but. How much is Michigan State benefiting in this conversation from they got hot at the right time? A lot. Well, no, right. I mean, A I lot. never looked at it like that, to be honest. I didn't, I didn't consider – I was actually surprised a little bit that we went as high as we did. Maybe it was – but I never, I never looked at the fact that they made the Final Four as some sort of like springboard to putting them in our top ten. I think once they got Swanigan, um, that was really what kind of cemented it. Um, we had them that high before they got Swanigan, didn't we? we no, had them no, no, no. They moved up. That, right? They moved up with Swanigan. Okay, let me ask you this, they though. They were like 10 before we moved them up. Virginia's but. roster set, Duke's roster set. Who's better? Right. That's the thing. Like, that's what I'm asking. I, I think Virginia will be better in the regular season, but Duke will be Duke will have a greater shot to win a national title. And, right. and we're, uh, we're assembling this as if it was a power ranking entering the first day of the season, not our projected, you know, Oh, really? March. Hmm. That's the way I always look if, at it. Okay. If that's the case, if that's the case, I would put Virginia ahead of everyone. No, I don't. I try but, to predict the national champion. Yeah. That's, that, that's I, kind of what I thought it was. I try to predict the national champion. That's what I want. That's, that's what I'm trying to do. Like, I, I might put Virginia at, like... Right, I would, I would go Carolina. Of who's gonna be I would go Carolina. Races. All right, so right now, this would be my list. All right, I would go... Carolina one, Maryland two, Kansas three, Kentucky four. This is right now. This is today. Carolina one, Maryland two, Kansas three, Kentucky four, Virginia five, Duke six, Michigan State seven, Iowa State eight. And and that's that's what Jalen Brown still undecided while recognizing he could that change. That is with he, an undecided Jalen Brown. How about yeah. that? That that might make for a good column. Like Jalen Brown really could determine who's going to be the number one team in the country. I was just thinking that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, I know what I'm going to do. I would tomorrow. go. I would go North Carolina, Kansas, Maryland, Duke, Virginia, uh, Kentucky, Iowa State. Top seven. Yeah. We're basically on the same page here. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna hash all this out. And, and all uh, this is gonna change when Sterling Gibbs commits somewhere. Oh yeah, like that's a that was another like most of these transfers I just like roll my eyes at, but like he's he's somebody that can help somebody, you know. Sterling Gibbs is probably going to have more of an impact on the national title race, depending on where he goes, obviously. Right. But like he's a bigger get for this coming season than Derek Thornton. 
Yeah, yeah, considering how much he does, um, yeah. without a doubt. Um, that'll be interesting to see who gets him, because uh, he'll basically have almost his pick here of a yeah, lot yeah. of really... Oh, sure. At the end of the 2014 calendar year, I would have had Sterling Gibbs on my All-American team. Before that entire situation at Seton Hall yeah, fell. Yeah, yeah, then it just went the like, wrong way. It went the wrong way for the team. It went the wrong way for him. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he's an incredible basketball player on the college level. Right, right. He's a shooter. He's able to distribute. He's, a, he's basically everything you could want in an offensive lead guard. Yeah, no, he's so. terrific. Uh, yeah, it'll be uh, whoever gets him is getting somebody who can help in a big time way immediately. And I'm talking like about, what, like, yeah. What happens if Gonzaga gets him? Yeah, right. You, Gonzaga might be a top guy. Gonzaga, I know. Yep. Right there. I mean, if, if honestly, <laughs> if Gonzaga got him, well, first of all, I'll say this. If Gonzaga got him and Michigan got Jalen Brown, then those that is your top 10 undisputed, I think, without a doubt. Um, the, what we mentioned, you know, Carolina, Maryland, Kansas, Kentucky, Virginia, Duke, um, Michigan State, Iowa State, Gonzaga, Michigan. I think I, think I said 10 there. I think that is your... Like clear, are we, I think we're in agreement if that happened, right? I mean, it, it looks like Sterling Gibbs is going to go to Connecticut from what people are saying, like that have connections to him. Yeah. That's the leader right now. But if he would go to Gonzaga, you'd have two potential All-Americans in him and Kyle Wilcher. Right. You'd have another first-round pick in Demonis Sabonis. Like, Crazy. that team's ahead of Kentucky for me. Yeah, no, it'd be good. It's going to be fun. Like, I mean, and yeah. like, I know we're kind of dragging it, but like, plus you got Buddy back at Oklahoma. Wichita yep. State brings back. Ben Lee Baker and Marshall. And, I mean, that's awesome. I mean, that, and Indiana is going to be, they're getting everyone back pretty much. It's pretty awesome, actually. No, uh, I, like, I, the more and more I look at it, like, um, it should be a fun year. It won't be a, the year dominated by freshmen. Like, I think the past couple of years, we spent a lot of time talking about freshmen, whether it was Wiggins and Jabari uh, two years ago. And then this past year, it was, you know, Okafor and all the kids at Kentucky. And yet this seems there'll still be those conversations. Ben Simmons, terrific. Scal's terrific. But, um, you know, the upper it looks like the type of season that might be dominated by the upper class. Yeah. I might only have Ben Simmons on my All-American team, on my preseason All-American team. What about the homie Scal? Don't disrespect him like that. (laughs) <laughs> I mean, Scal would probably be like third team All American for me, but I mean, you've got guys like Kyle Wilcher. Uh, no, Chris Buddy Hill, Kyle Wilcher, Van Vliet, Hill, if you like him, Malcolm Brogdon. Sure, no. like you've got a million guys coming back that no. are just going to carry this college basketball no, season. I agree with that. I agree with that. Here's another thing I agree with: oh, we have to go. We do. Got to go, man. All right, so I'm going to go uh, take some notes on the top 25 and one. Try to rework that. Um, for later on this week, right about how, like, it is funny, Jalen Brown, like, is sitting here uh, with the power to propel, uh, you know, at least two different schools to the number one preseason ranking. Like, that's a pretty nice position to be in. So, uh, I'll get to working on all of that, and uh, we will catch up with you guys some other time. Subscribe to the Ion College Basketball Podcast at iTunes. That's a quick way to get your hands on the latest edition whenever we happen to do one. Make sure to do that, and uh, either way, we will talk to you again down the road. Till then, take care. 